Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am sadly not joined in the studio by with Rosie today. He's not going to be with us on this episode, so all of you Rosie fans are going to just have to d- wait another week until he gets back with us. But I do have Rachel. Rachel, what's going on? How you doing? Hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> <laughs> how's the weather down in your neck of the woods? Um, it's Florida, meaning we have a random thunderstorm almost every day and <laughs> trying to beat the heat. If it's not the heat, it's the mosquitoes, but no gators where we are. Mosquitoes. <laughs> oh yeah. You get manatees where you are, right? I think there are manatees. It's mostly black bears and armadillos though, oh. honestly. Wow. That's an interesting combination there. But, uh, yeah, yeah. we don't have a, we don't have Okay. <laughs> Black bears and armadillos. And I, you don't have scorpions? Do you guys have those down there? You know what? I haven't seen any. No, but we've got um, some massive uh, diamondback rattlesnakes. Um, wow. And all kinds of nice water snakes, jellyfish, sharks, hammerhead, you know, you name it. We've Sweet. got the sea life and we've got the Texas wildlife, it feels like. But um, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, alligators which is disappointing because you think florida and you think alligators yeah i think you have to go south central like side uh, to get that uh down in the mm-hmm. uh, but uh yeah so yeah um so we're going to take a break from our freemason uh series that we've been doing on the freemasons and their ties with the origins of the united states or of washington dc and all that stuff that we've been doing and we have a special guest in the studio that we're going to, I'm going to introduce in just a minute. But since Rosie's not here, I'm just going to go ahead and say, sit back, grab a Kahi coffee and enjoy. You're listening to the All Out War podcast. That's right, warriors. It's another episode of All Out War, and we're we're here. We're gonna we have a great episode today. It's gonna be so cool. And for people that are you know new to us, uh, we try and cover multiple you know angles of life. In particular, we keep it in three basic categories of theology, culture, and politics. And this one's a little different because I think it's gonna fall along the line somewhere between culture and politics. It definitely has a theological bend to it, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But I have in the studio with us a special guest. It's a good friend of mine, Jay Blevins. Jay, how are you, man? Hey, I am doing well. I am uh, COVID-free, and I have plenty of toilet paper at my house, so I am doing very well, thanks. I don't doubt that you have plenty of toilet paper. <laughs> we've, got, we've got enough to, to last a little while. Yeah. So we can have a party later on. <laughs> That's like. good, man. We'll go TP some people's houses just to just to uh, you know show off a little bit. But um, so Jay, my friend Jay here is a prepper, and that's just the best way to put it is you're a prepper. But you not are you're not just any prepper. You have been, uh, and if anybody has watched any television in the last five ten years, you, you they would recognize your voice probably on the air but if they saw you they would say oh i remember that guy because you were on national geographic a doomsday prepper 
And you can also be found on Netflix on the Dark Tourist episode eight, where they you were featured in there as well on Netflix. So all, I want all of our listeners to go check those out. Um, I ha- happened to catch your uh, Doomsday Prepper, one of your Doomsday Prepper episodes uh, just a few weeks ago on TV. We were watching it. Nice. And I had the kids. I was like, hey, that's I know we know them. We know them. They used to live in our neighborhood. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. We uh, yeah we filmed with them back in. Uh, that's an interesting story, in and of itself. But first, I just want to. You mentioned Kahi Coffee. Is that your your sponsor? <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. So um, when you see me on on Doomsday Preppers or on the uh, on the other show, um, you know a lot of people think I'm Hawaiian. So I like that you got the Hawaiian coffee going. That's awesome. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's the 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 Nat Geo story is pretty interesting. Um, so back when Doomsday Preppers first came on. Um, I watched the first season and I thought it was interesting, but I thought a lot of the folks that were on there were kind of out there, you know, not really kind of normal folks seemingly. And uh, so I actually wrote to them and said, Hey, I like your show, but you know, there's preppers out there that are not necessarily, you know, far out there, kind of crazy. And so they wrote back and said, okay, well, what do you do? And explained who we are and what we do. And they basically said, well, we're casting for the second season. And uh, that's, that's how that all worked out. You um, so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because not only do you have a vast experience and you're you know knowledgeable, you also have a background and history with law enforcement, and this ties into a lot of what's going on in our culture right now. Um, sure. I mean, we don't have to go in deep into this, but you know this whole defund the police mm. nonsense. I still know a handful of police officers today, and a couple that actually work downtown DC, and uh, they're just like. Uh, they their their arms are thrown up. They're like, we don't even know what to do because mm. we can't even deal with criminals the way they need to be dealt with mm-hmm. because they're basically handcuffing the police. And sure. anybody that does anything that remotely looks like they're being rough or tough or enforcing the law, you're automatically gonna, you know, just get attacked or fired sure. or somebody's filming, obviously. But uh, what's your take real quick just on some of the defund the police stuff? Have you thought much about it? I definitely have. And, and uh, my, my heart goes out to um, the folks that are the men and women that are still in law enforcement, um, f- you know, for that very reason. It's a tough job already. It's a thankless job already. You know, one minute, you know, you're, you're, you're having a nice evening where, you know, it's a, it's a nice, quiet evening. And then the next minute, you know, you're fighting for your life. And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is is really misunderstood. Um, you know, what happened to George Floyd? There's not a law enforcement officer out there that's going to say that wasn't an injustice. Of course, that was an injustice. Right. Of course, that was a tragedy. No question at all. Um, but what is happening with the movement to defund the police, it, it's madness. I mean, we we can't operate without a police force. We cannot, as a society, um, look back in history. I'm a student of history. You know, I like to look back at things that have happened in the past to try to figure out, you know, kind of where we are now, where we're going. And the reality is that that there's always going to be evil people out there. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be criminals out there. And so we need some sort of um, organization that's going to be able to take care of that. And so the move, the movement to defund the police, I think it's madness. Um, you know, are there, are there areas for reform? Sure they are. Um, but, but a lot of the stuff out there, I, I think is definitely getting blown out of proportion. You know, the law enforcement officers I talk to now, they say that actually, you know, on the media, you'll see, you know, that, you know, everybody hates the police. You want to defund the police. But a lot of 
the people out there that aren't on the news, that aren't the media, are are very thankful for yeah. them being out there. And right. that's from from uh, people that are still in law enforcement today. Um, and so I think most of the public <laughs> well, understands the need well, and appreciates it. If you're not a lawbreaker, then the law doesn't scare you, <laughs> right? You exactly. have nothing to be afraid of. Exactly. Like Roman says, you know, yeah. the, the one in authority is there for a reason. And if you're not breaking the law, then you don't have anything to worry about. Absolutely. So, yeah, I think most people that live in, in even in the really bad parts of towns and cities, um, I think they want some level of authority there. Right. Because they just can't do it themselves, you know. But I think it's a so I, I could go on a soapbox, but I think it's part of a big bigger agenda plan that's sure. unfolding um, through to try and break down our our society sure. and bring out something new uh, that they you know create chaos and then out of the chaos comes sure. some kind of order. But that order is not what anybody wants. <laughs> and then I think I would look at the big cities and I would say the most violent cities. What is it? Nineteen out of the 20 most violent cities who runs them right you know, who runs them and so if you're asking if there's a leadership problem maybe it's because those cities have historically been run by democrats right and maybe that's where you need to make the change just just saying <laughs> right yeah no you that look that's not a stranger on this podcast we we're pretty vocal about that we're very conservative but um so so out of law enforcement um i think you you probably were just exposed to a uh, part of culture that is just very dark and depraved. And, and is that what kind of keyed you into beginning to look into prepping and getting yourself and your family more prepared for something that ominous, you know? Sure. Again, I'm a student of history, so law, law enforcement definitely uh, played played a part in that. Uh, I became a, a law enforcement officer right before uh, 9-11 happened. Mm -hmm. uh, so I went to to patrol, I was involved in the SWAT and some special ops, and um, so yeah, seeing that side of society absolutely, I think gave me a more heightened view of of what's out there. Um, but really, it was it was large events like September 11th, uh, like the tsunami that hit uh, mm -hmm. Christmas of uh, 2004, I believe, or 2005, the one that uh, hit Southeast Asia. And I mean, they don't even know have a solid number on how many were killed, but it was around 500,000 mm. um, events like that. Of course, Katrina, of course, Hurricane Sandy, you know, the uh, the earthquake and tsunami in Japan. You know, there's so many events that have taken place. I mean, just even if we just go back just to the year 2000 and look at the major events, the major earthquakes, you know, there's some people, thankfully, they've been blessed. They've been fortunate never to have to go through anything. And that's great. But hundreds of thousands, millions of other people have dealt with these emergency type of situations. And so seeing those things, having been in law enforcement, uh, I've also been involved in the war on terrorism. Yeah, those things definitely led me to, I would say, at least focus on a little more and ask the question, why is it that it seems like so many people are unprepared for these types of events? Yeah. What would you say the answer to that is? Why are people so unprepared? I think because they uh, live their lives um, as, as long as they can get their, their latte, uh, as long as they're comfortable, as long as yeah. they've got their Wi-Fi. I think they're kind of oblivious to the other things that are going on. And I think it is also because we live in an age where, I mean, life is easier. You know, yeah. our parents, our grandparents, 
they were preppers, but they didn't call it prepping. Right. They just, you know, they, they grew their own food, right? They had their own garden. They canned their own vegetables. Stuff. It was just a part of life coming from the Depression era, coming out of things like World War II. But again, a student in history, and I wanted to, to point this out. Um, we may touch on it more later. But look at the history of this nation. And from the time we became a nation, 1776, we declared our independence. Every 80 to 85 years, I don't know if this is something you've looked at, but check this out, Turner. Every 80 to 85 years, we have had a major, for us, society-changing event. So go from 70, 1776, 80 to 85 years, you got the Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. More Americans died. A lot of people don't know this, but more Americans died in the Civil War than any other war that we've been involved in. Uh, fast forward another 80 to 85 years, World War II. Obviously, that was a world-changing event. A lot of the things going on now were, were, were because of the aftermath of that. And now where are we? We're really close. Um, the end of World War II, if you, depends on if you go by the uh, beginning or the end of World War II, when we got involved. But 80 to 85 years lands us pretty much from 2021 to 2025. Yeah. And if history repeats itself, that means something major is possibly coming. Wow. Yeah. I think you're right about just the ease, especially in America. You know, because this podcast, by the way, is global. We have listeners in Australia and Africa and yeah, all over. Anyways. Fantastic. Yeah. So good day, mates. Um, but uh, we in America here, we definitely uh, have ease. Even the, those that are some of the poorest in our country are, have it better than third world countries. And a lot of people don't understand that. Um, and so I think the ease of our prosperity and our blessings in our nation has lulled us to this um, false security and unpreparedness. Mm. So I think that there's something to that for sure. You know, I, I don't disagree with that in any way. I totally think that's probably what you're like spot on <laughs> on that, which makes me nervous because I don't know how prepared I am. Man. You know sure. what I mean? So this this brings me to the next point that I wanted to bring up. And, and Rachel, you can cut in at any time. I'm kind of dominating. I apologize there. But um, the uh, a lot of our... I had a conversation, I, you know, I preach every now and again, and I was preaching last week and someone came up to me and asked me, you know, about preparing. They, they just happened to notice the, the, the temperature of the culture and just the way our society seems to be continuing to break down. And, and the, actually the police was a big part of it because that's what people depend on, mm. that thin blue line, you know, to hold back all anarchy. And they were just seeing it just kind of crumble and just like complete anarchy, as I was saying. And they were wondering is it right for me to do this? Am I being selfish? Am I being, am I being fearful? You know, there was just a lot of conflicting emotions that were connected to the whole concept of being prepared. Sure. And I don't disagree in any way with prepping. I think we should all be prepared. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, when it, if you can save money, if you can, you know, I, like I'm the type of person, which I'll drive my car until it literally can't go anymore. That's, you know, just how I am. I just, I don't need a new car every three years or whatever, you know, like people, I mean, I can't afford it, but, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, so when this person asked me this, I think that they're, they're questions that I think a lot of people are asking. Sure. So let's, let's start there. Okay. And, and let's look at two different perspectives. Let's look at the historical perspective because I do think that's important. And then let's look at the theological perspective on preparedness. So historically, um, starting with right now, if you go to FEMA's website, what do they tell you? They tell you you should have some stuff prepared. And if the government's telling you to be prepared well, for two weeks, you should probably be prepared for two months or two years. <laughs> okay. 
the, the reality is, and we saw this during um, Hurricane Sandy, um, the Northeast got hit by Sandy, remember, mm -hmm. in, uh, I believe it was 2013, and then they got hit by a nor'easter. And if you went to the local office of FEMA, there was a note on the door that said, closed due to the weather. <laughs> so the reality is that people have, have come to depend so much on some sort of government intervention that they don't understand that the government, their first job, they're gonna take care of themselves so they can continue to operate, whether it's local, state, or federal. And then if they have the resources and the time, then they're gonna go out and help everybody else. But for whatever time period that is, whether it's two hours or two days or two weeks, or my goodness, two months, mm -hmm. in some situations like Hurricane Andrew that wasn't that long ago, you're gonna to have to be able to survive for that long. And so my question to people out there, skeptics out there would be, you know, what are you prepared for, okay? Everybody out there has car insurance. You mentioned your car. Everybody out there has, uh, or a lot of people out there have life insurance. They have medical insurance, okay? They have homeowner's insurance. Why do we have those things? Insurance is a form of preparedness. We have those things just in case I get in an accident just in case, God forbid, lightning strikes my home, you know, just in case um, I fall down and get hurt. We don't call people crazy for having insurance, right? Insurance is just preparedness. Right, yeah. And so when we talk about preparedness sort of uh, for, for emergencies and things like that, I know a lot of people in their mind get this image of, oh, you know, people with, I don't know, whatever, tinfoil hats and, right. and living <laughs> in a bunker somewhere. And, you know, that's not really the case. Again, Actually, I, that sounds kind of cool to me i'm not gonna lie <laughs> but we just lately hark, again harken back to to history and times when we've needed to be self-sufficient so that's the the historical part let's talk about the theological part and this is something I, I especially for for american christians i think is difficult why because of the prosperity gospel mm -hmm. there are churches out there that literally teach that if you are not if you don't drive the mercedes and you don't live in a big house and you don't have the trophy husband or the trophy wife or whatever it is, there's literally churches out there that preach that you are not a good Christian if you're not wealthy. And that's not found in the Bible that I read anywhere. Right. I mean, I read more yeah. about persecution and things like in hard times we might go through. But well, let's talk about that because I do believe there are times in the Bible that God miraculously provides for people, right? We should 100% trust in God for all of our needs. I do believe that. Yeah. And there's times where God miraculously provided, right? Elijah, uh, the, the folks in the wilderness, uh, when Jesus was teaching the 5,000, the bread mm -hmm. and the fish. So there are times in the Bible when, when God provides miraculously for his people, man in the desert, all of those situations. But there are also times where God leads people to prepare in order to survive. Noah being the first example, he literally prepared for the flood to survive. Yeah. And the big one, and this is one that, that I've shared with folks lately, and the, 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 the verses that God has been putting on my heart over and over and over again. Um, I will never, by the way, proclaim to be a prophet or, or somebody who knows the things that are coming. Again, I study history and I study the Bible. But Genesis 41 has been on my mind and on my heart lately a lot. Um, Genesis 41, for those of you who might not know, Turner knows, of course, he's got the Bible, but like the back of his hand, but is, uh, it's basically where uh, Joseph's dream, uh, or, or Joseph interprets the dream of Pharaoh. And of course, it's the seven good years and the seven bad years. Yeah. And I point people to this part of the Bible because a lot of times when they talk about, oh, we don't need to prepare anything. So there was a bad famine coming. Joseph interpreted the dream of Pharaoh. Pharaoh and Egypt 
prepared for seven years because there was a famine coming and they had to survive it for seven years. Okay. If that hadn't happened, the nation of Israel, remember Joseph's brothers had to end up coming down to Israel to survive. That's right. Yeah. If that hadn't happened, if so, if, if Egypt hadn't pre- prepared being led by God in this dream, the nation of Israel would have died. Yeah. So God literally preserved the lineage of the Messiah, the nation of Israel through a prepping event. <laughs> Think about that for a second. Not one where could God have provided miraculously? Yes, he yeah. could have. Yeah, absolutely. But he led them to prepare. And so if somebody was, was to say that's not biblical, well, it is there. And also uh, in the book of Luke, I believe it's chapter 22. I'd have to look up the verses. But uh, in the book of Luke, where Jesus talks about the swords, you know, um, at one point he'd sent out uh, the disciples and, you know, he sent them out the 70 to go into the different villages and to preach. And he said, hey, when I sent you before, I sent you with nothing, right? Not a bag, not a purse, nothing. But now if you go, grab a, grab a coat, grab a purse. Oh, and by the way, if you don't have a sword, I want you to sell something to buy that sword because you need it. Yeah. Now, what was Jesus saying? Before I provided for you miraculously, but now you might be coming across some events where you need to be prepared. So if you want to argue with Jesus, feel free. <laughs> but that's yeah. how I look at it from the theological perspective. Yeah, that's awesome. And and, and it's totally right. I mean, we, like the Noah story is amazing because God had huge, God knew what was coming down the down the pike. You know, he knew the rain was coming. He knew that there, you know, judgment and and he gave plenty of time to, to prepare for Noah. And the same thing with, with, with Joseph, you know, he had the dream with plenty of time to have good abundance where he could set aside, you know, during the times of prosperity. So what do you say to someone now who's not even started and they're like, okay, how do I start? What do I do? Um, I mean, like, you know, I don't know all, I, I think our listening audience based on some of our Spotify stats and what I get from Apple that I can depend on, that I think I can depend on, is that they're mostly um, in the younger categories, in the in the late 20s um, up to about mid-30s. So they're like, you know, I'm almost 50. Most, most of our listeners don't know that because I'm just so cool and young sounding, right? You know. <laughs> That's right. I'm just kidding. When we start doing YouTube with videos... <laughs> my wife's laughing in the background. She knows I look like Santa with my gray beard. Um, but uh, what do you say to a younger person? Maybe they have a couple small kids um, and maybe even the conversation with their spouse is going to be a little awkward. How do you give some coaching through that? Cause sure. So at the end, uh, or maybe later on, we can throw out some resources that I would use, but really look at it from a practical perspective. Look at events like Hurricane Katrina. Mm-hmm. Look at Hurricane Andrew. Uh, look at Puerto Rico. Okay, they got hit by a hurricane and then got hit by earthquakes. Some of Puerto Rico, which is a United States territory, right. was out of power for a whole year. Okay, mm-hmm. and so for those who haven't been through a situation like that, what I would say is just do some research and fi- read about. Like in my book, the very first thing in my book is a is a um, firsthand account of a person who survived Andrew. Okay, and let's, let me pause it. We, I didn't mention your book, so let's talk about your book real quick. Sure. What's the title of it? Uh, it's called Survival and Emergency Preparedness Skills, or SEPs, and that's the name of my company, SEPs LLC. And it's a very basic uh, found, or foundational, I should say, guide 
um, if you've never uh, looked into preparedness. And it starts out with a guy who lived through Andrew and what he experienced. Wow. Um, so I break it down um, pretty simply. Um, it's not a very long book. It's got a journal in it. But um, and if, and if anybody needs to get a copy, you know, we'll put some stuff up later on uh, yeah. how they can do that. But um, bottom line is, um, you know, you look at look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? What, what do we need to survive? We need food. We need water. We need shelter and we need protection. Uh, but before any of that, those are the physical things that we can do to survive. But before that, where does it start? I believe it starts up here. I'm pointing to my head and here I'm pointing to my heart. Yeah. Where does preparedness start? Well, first of all, if you're not ready for eternity, that's the first thing you have to prepare for. <laughs> right, yeah. um, you absolutely, you know, the only way to be reconciled to God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not apologetic about that. I actually share that wherever I go. I've shared it on TV. Uh, we've shared it on the Internet to millions of people. And, you know, we're not apologetic about that because we don't think you can be prepared if you're not prepared for eternity. So that's the first part. And then the second part is the mental aspect, because. Really what you're asking is, so for, for these folks that are, you know, you know, 20 years old, younger, that have never been through anything, they've had kind of a cushy, easy life, and now there's all this unrest. You know, I have a, I have a friend in Chicago right now, literally this morning, woke up to 20 shots fired outside of his nice apartment. They live in a nice part of town and literally had to wake up and ask if his wife had been hit. Wow. I mean, think about that wow. for a second. Yeah. So for a person who's never been through that, it's hard for them to say, okay, what if these things aren't available? What if... Toilet paper is not available. You know, what if all these yeah, these real right. things aren't available? And so, um, really, it starts with the, the mental aspect, and, and it's the question to ask: Is can I survive any and every situation? Okay, so start there, and then from there, you have to start looking at your basic needs: food, water, shelter, and protection. If I can't get to the grocery store, you know, I was um, I got hired by uh, Paramount Pictures when uh, I remember the World War Z movie came out. Yeah, yeah. And so they hired us. <laughs> kind of funny story, but long story short, uh, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie wouldn't appear at the sneak peek in DC because of uh, the political aspect of it, right? So they they found us and we went up there and we did this kind of Q and A right before the movie came out. It was a lot of fun. Um, this one lady in the back, uh, it was basically a mix in the theater of it was like half, you know, VIPs and media and the other half was open to the public. And this nice lady stands up in the back of the theater and she says, she says, Mr. Blevins, um, I just have a question. I, I agree with what kind of the stuff you're talking about, but how much food do I need to survive? You know, that was her specific question. How much food do you need? <laughs> it, it, I'm not trying to be smug or snarky or anything, but my, my question back to her was, how long do you want to live? <laughs> right, simple question, simple answer. Right? If you want to live three days, have three days worth of food. Right. If you want to live three weeks, have three weeks worth of food. And so when we talk about those things, you ask for a starting point, spiritually, mentally, and then those four things, food, water, shelter, and protection. Will you be able to get those things if there's no grocery store to supply it, if there is a run on supplies like you were talking about earlier? If there's no water, do you live on town water? We do. Yeah. So I have a catchment system to catch the rainwater at my house, right? Um, shelter, of course, is your house. But if you have to leave your house, where are you going to go? And last but not least, of course, protection. Because, again, the reality is there are wolves out there that are going to, you know, every single emergency situation, every single big disaster, if we look at, again, Katrina, all the ones I named earlier, there's always good people that rise out of it to help others but there's also always always evil people wolves that will will prey on the others and yeah, so yeah. starting with those things um um i definitely would say at least if you're willing to ask the questions you know what would i 
what would I do to survive and how long could I survive? I think you're already um, on a good road um, and we can definitely help um, if you need more. Yeah, yeah. Well, so I'm going to put... I'm going to put links in the show notes to connect with you on Facebook and, and your book and all that stuff. But, um, and I would, I would recommend if you're thinking about this and chewing through it, you should get in contact with Jay and, and buy his book. Evidently you said, don't buy it on Amazon because it's like $70 or something like that. Yeah. Again, there's uh there's opportunists out there, uh, that are, that are selling signed copies and stuff. Don't do that. If you need it, <laughs> if you need a copy, get in touch with me, uh, turn will put the, the way you can do that. And, uh, we'll get you a copy if you need one. Um, but really, um, if you, if you actually go onto Facebook, um, I've got all that stuff listed on there as well. Cool. Okay, good. Yeah. Rachel, you want to kick in and hear on anything? Um, I have some questions about, um, I guess like first steps for a newbie, like obviously that, uh, list of the basic needs is something really awesome to look into, but like, let's say somebody is just starting to think ahead and, you know, they want to become prepared in small ways now. Um, not like an all at once, you know, as they can with their budget, like what would be a good starting point? Um, you know, should they begin stockpiling different types of, uh, food and increments? Should they have a pantry? Should they have some backup power? Um, you know, should they have a water filtration system? That kind of thing. What are, what would the first steps be for somebody who's starting this brand new? Sure. Um, so let's talk about some of the, the just kind of a general answer and then a more specific one. Cause you know, if you're diabetic, that's going to change. Obviously, if you have, uh, family members that yeah. have special needs, that's going to change. But so let's talk uh, in general terms where I would start. Um, I get hired by people all over the country. Um, last, uh, one of my last clients was on Capitol Hill. They live two blocks, you know, from the U.S. Capitol and wanted to know, hey, what can I do to be prepared? And, you know, I, I open their refrigerator and, you know, they eat out all the time. So they've yeah. got like, I don't know, maybe a gallon of milk in there and maybe, maybe some, uh, uh, some microwave meals and that's it. So, as a general answer to that, what I would say is, you know, you kind of kind of have to look at, again, those needs, food, water, shelter, protection, and look at what you already have and go from there. Generally speaking, as a rule of survival, there's kind of this thing called the rule of threes. You can survive about three minutes without oxygen. You can survive about three days without water, and you can survive about three weeks without food. Now, again, depending on the time of year, um, if it's wintertime and you're freezing, you're not going to last long outside, obviously, if you don't have shelter. So that is a big one as well. But if I was just starting from scratch and I said, okay, what, what is the most important need that I can cover around here? Because most of us have, you know, clothes for the weather and things like that. I would start with some sort of good water filtration uh, system. You can go to Walmart and uh, you can get, um, there's a couple of different filters you can get. Um, there's something called the Life Straw that's like $20. Mm -hmm. Um, you can get, um, uh, there's another one out there. I can't think of the company right now, but again, there's on the shelves at Walmart there. They, they're, they're basically water filters that um, they don't filter out things like gasoline, chemicals, things like that. But if you've got a water supply nearby, let's say it's a creek or a pond or something like that, you have to be able to filter that out because if you can't boil it and you need to drink, you can't just drink it straight out of any creek yeah. around here or even, even some of the cleaner yeah. ones out there because they can get contaminated. So... There's one called the Katahdin Pocket Microfilter. Um, if you go online, um, there's again, there's a few companies like Life Straw that make gray water filters. They're not that expensive. Um, like I said, Walmart, you can get it for 20 bucks just as a start. And then if you wanna get more expensive models later on, you can, uh, but that's where I would start with water. With food, I think that's pretty easy myself. Um, 
here's, I mean, I've got a family of five and they eat like crazy. So what, what I, what we do is um, we do have long-term storage food. There's a company called Thrive um, that has great yeah. freeze-dried yeah. food. So they're fantastic um, if you're looking for long-term storage, but it's kind of expensive. So if you're, you're talking about, I think you kind of mentioned like if I've got a budget and I don't have a lot, just go and buy some of the stuff that you normally eat. Go and buy a little bit more pasta, a little more sauce, some more rice, you know, canned goods. So whatever you normally eat, just go buy two weeks worth of it and then put it aside. If an emergency comes, you can use it. Or if you're running short, you can use it. But just to have that stuff there again as a start, um, those are really simple, really easy things you can do. But we can't uh, ignore uh, protection. We can't ignore that part of it because, again, I have to go back to history. Every single uh, major disaster, major uh, catastrophic event that's happened in the last 20 years there's always a breakdown of order. And really we don't need an event okay, because obviously right now with the things that are going on socially in our country, there, there, there's all kinds of unrest. And so um, you can look at any of those situations and there's always, always, always an interruption in emergency resources, mm -hmm. okay? Sometimes it's just financially. And so you've got to have a way to protect yourself. You've got to have a way to protect your family. That's why the Second Amendment exists. You know, hey, if you've got a ba baseball bat, great. Hey, if you've got a German Shepherd, that's great too. But if somebody comes at you with lethal force, a knife, a baseball bat, or if they have a gun, there's only going to be one way that you're going to be able to defend against that. And again, if the police can't come right away, you know, police are reactionary, right? They're mostly coming after, after the crime has taken place. Usually they're not there to be able to stop the crime from happening. And so I would say, um, Rachel, one of the biggest things is I think a, a mental understanding that it's not my neighbor Joe's responsibility to protect my family. Right. It's not the police's job necessarily yeah. if they're not there to protect my family. You know, it's my job, you know, and it's my wife's job. Mm -hmm. We have young kids. I know you guys have kids as well. And so the question is, can I protect my family if these things are happening? And so if the answer is no, then again, there's some some easy steps. You, anybody can buy pepper spray. Most states, taser, you know, taser type guns, stun guns are legal. But at the end of the day, again, I mean, as a former law enforcement officer, I highly recommend if you've never fired a gun, you obviously should get some training. You need to do some research. But that's the only way you're going to be mm -hmm. able to defend yourself if somebody brings lethal threats against you. Yeah, we're big. We're big uh, we weapons. On this podcast, we we did a whole episode on two A, you know, and how important it is and why why it's in our constitution, you know, in all the Bill of Rights and all. But um, they frisked me actually when I came into the studio, or maybe they didn't. <laughs> we just well, we assume you're carrying, so we're just. I mean, you assume correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, this is a safe house right now. Um, but uh, yeah, and Rosie, this is where Rosie's missing out because he loves that part of it. He's he's he's. Uh, quite the collector although he lost them all in a boating accident i was really sad just yeah like a week ago mm. really sad yeah what so yeah all of his guns were lost in a boating accident it's terrible mm. yeah i know so 
Um, anyways, uh, <laughs> there's a few people that know what that means <laughs> listening. Hey, you, you gave me a, a verse out of Ezekiel. I want to read it real quick. And this is kind of, this, this actually ties in well with even kind of the, um, the realm of our podcast, uh, you know, that we find ourselves in like the niche of the internet podcast world. Um, but it comes out of Ezekiel chapter 33 and it's one through seven. It says, once again, a message came to me from the Lord, son of man, give your people this message. When I bring an army against a country, the people of that land choose one of their own to be a watchman. When the watchman sees the enemy coming, he sounds the alarm to warn the people. Then if those who hear the alarm refuse to take action, it is their own fault if they die. They heard the, they heard the alarm, but they ignored it, so the responsibility is theirs. If they had listened to the warning, they could have saved their lives. But if the watchman sees the enemy coming and doesn't sound the alarm to warn the people... He is responsible for their captivity. They will die in their sins, but I will hold the watchman responsible for their deaths. So uh, some version, this is the NLT. That's what I've been reading lately. But um, I think other ones say their blood is on your head. Uh, it's a pretty strong warning from God in in reference to a watchman. And a lot of people that have podcasts, truthers and conspiracies, and all, they, they consider themselves watchmen. It's at least the, the Christian uh, communities within this realm um, they call them we call them we call ourselves watchers or watchmen on the wall trying to warn people of what we see happening based on history and signs on the wall and all those other things uh, that are coming forward so that's kind of how you view yourself in this whole thing you know with what you're doing right yeah you know I um, my my calling sort of uh, was revealed not at one time, really it was over a series of years. I actually went to school, my degrees in Christian ministries. I felt called into some sort of ministry, didn't know what at the time. Uh, my wife thought she was marrying a, a pastor, a youth pastor. And then uh, <laughs> when she found out about the watchman calling, uh, it was kind of a wake up call for her. But I joke about it, but um, in all seriousness, um, I do believe that my ministerial background gave me um, a firm foundation for this watchman calling. But basically what I believe it is, um, very simply put again, is, is, is my calling is to warn people of, again, two things. And if you're listening to this podcast, you know, you're responsible now. <laughs> okay. So here it is. You need to be ready for eternity and you need to be ready for the things that are coming. Maybe not necessarily the whole world. Maybe Jesus isn't coming back yet. Maybe he's not coming back for 200 years. Maybe. But what I am saying is if you're living in America right now and you're a Christian, things uh, are definitely changing. I yeah. mean, you yeah. don't have to look far to see that. And so so as a watchman, I believe it's, it's my job to put the warning out there. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, again, this is the first interview that I've done since the whole Corona thing happened. I, I put a couple posts out and then that was it. I was very <laughs> silent. I was led by the Lord to be silent for about 90 days, you know, because it's kind of like at that point, it's like, I told you so, you know, I've been talking about preparedness for years and years and years, you know, at, so, so when the coronavirus, when everything started, you know, I kind of felt like God was saying, Hey, you've been telling for years now sit back and it's time to survive. And uh, it's been very interesting how, how things have sort of unfolded. Um, but again, just to go back to, yeah, to those verses, um, I, I feel called to let people know they've got to be ready for eternity and they've got to be re ready for the things that are, that are coming out there. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, unfortunately I have three kids and I, I hate to say this, but I, I, 
I don't believe that we as a nation are are sort of at, at our height or on the way uh, sort of up still. Like I kind of see that we're going the way of Rome and I kind of yeah, yeah. sadly see sort of the twilight of this nation. And I hate mm-hmm. to say that. I mean, I, I grew up you know, during the Cold War and at a time where I, I feel like there was a lot more patriotism and a lot oh, more yeah. love for this nation. And now I just, I, you know, if you've ever seen the, the movie, you know, The Sound of Music, you know, that the scene at the end where they're singing Edelweiss. Yeah, yeah you, you like that? You like that scene? So yeah, we're- We're watching it right now. Like we're in the middle of watching it and oh my goodness, the feels like, just you don't see that kind of patriotism anymore and i think that's what really like stands out so much um as a unifying factor between the main protagonists but anyway yes i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> right so if, so that scene when they sing edelweiss at the end of the movie am i saying that right edelweiss or Edel, edelweiss <laughs> be careful how you say right. that <laughs> but but you know they're basically you know the main character and that's a true story he is literally singing the national anthem of his homeland for the last time before he has to leave his homeland. Mm. And I got to be honest, every time I hear the national anthem uh, being sung, I get sad because I don't feel like there's a sense of pride necessarily right. anymore. Right. I feel like it's almost that time. That time is almost passing. Again, I, I hope I'm wrong. Please, right, right, right. God, let me be wrong. Yeah. Um, but again, at the same time, in case it is going that way, what I do foresee, I, th- I think our children are going to have it a lot harder than, than we have had it. I think they're oh, going to yeah. deal with things that, yeah, yeah. and so I'm trying to train my children up to, you know, the, the, you know, to, to be able to defend themselves. Most importantly, of course, to know their word, to be founded in their faith. Um, but I do, I am concerned for them. I know the Lord yeah. will take care of them. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I'm concerned for maybe some of the things that they might go through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, so this brings me to a question too that was asked of me um, last week by the same the same couple that was concerned about you know uh, prepping is it right is it wrong whatever, and the question that he asked me was, um, what do I do when people come to my house and they're looking for help, and <clears throat> I actually used the Genesis forty one um, story for, with him not realizing that you had told him that story that you know you were sharing. And he, cause he told me that he, you told him that story, that same verse, which is kind of cool. I think the Lord was orchestrating something there. Totally a God thing. But, um, I said, you know, what you, what you might want to do is as you're preparing, you need to set aside some for other people and that's your generous gift. But, you know, like you said, my neighbor isn't responsible for me and I'm not responsible for my neighbor. I can help them if I can, and if I can't. I mean, the Bible doesn't tell us to give all of our food away to, to people in need. You know, it's it, that's never a command. And in fact, what you said, your job and my job, especially as husband and men, are to first provide and protect for our families. Like, that's the mandate from God and Scripture for godly men is to protect and provide if, as best that they can. And so... That's my first, and should be everyone's first, is their immediate family uh, protection and provision. But the neighbor that comes that needs it, yes, absolutely you can. So I think wisdom would be set some aside, almost like a, just a portion. And, you know, over time that can grow if the Lord should not bring some crazy calamity, you know, where you have need of it. Um, so. You know, so, so we are called to be salt and light um, to this world. 
And think about it. When things are going bad and somebody needs their basic needs fulfilled and we reach out and help them, what does that automatically do? It automatically opens up the ability for us to share the gospel as well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I absolutely look at that as, as part of my preparedness. And, and so I think about this. Every single person that is that is going to hear this podcast has the ability to choose. They're going to be prepared or they're not. If they are prepared and they are believers, they're going to be able, again, to help their neighbors to spread the gospel. And so, yeah. you know, double-edged sword there. And so, so, and I don't think this is happening for no reason. Um, I think it's great you guys are, you guys are doing this. And that, that's how I would look at it, you know, um, in reality, when you say, you know, when somebody comes to my house, if things get real bad, I'll, I'll be, I'll be long gone. I'll be in a bunker somewhere, <laughs> but, but I'll leave some stuff for, for those looking for, for supplies. Leave some, leave some little, uh, like the, uh, trail of, uh, trail mix or yes. something. Yeah. <laughs> On the counter. Yeah. Hey, can I ask a question, Rachel? Is that all right? Yes, totally. So I just want to ask from, uh, so Turner just mentioned, you know, as guys, you know, we feel like we have to be the protectors of our families and things like that. But let me ask your perspective as a, as a mom. You guys have what, two kids now or just one? Yes, yeah, we have two kids. Okay. Um, they're almost four and almost two. Okay. So only reason I'm asking is because, um, and I get this question a lot um, um, from, from women, all over the country and, and and I really try to help out as best I can. But let me ask you, with everything going on right now, um, everything you see going on in the world, um, do you feel prepared to, to kind of protect your family? And if not, like what kind of things do you think you need? If, if, if you don't mind my asking uh, again, just, just to see sort of out there, because I do know a lot of folks, yes, the guys are guys who get their guns and their, their, their training and stuff like that. But I've actually seen, um, most of the people that I train, um, for firearms training are, are children and women. So just wanted to get your perspective on that, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so currently with everything going on, like there's been a lot of stuff that's been on my radar since last fall. And so some things actually weren't a surprise when they started happening. Um, and there were definitely things that I was talking to my husband about, like, listen, you know, these different emergency, um, uh, states of emergency are going to be coming down, which means these different things for our freedoms and these different things that we'll have to be aware of um, if people want to start pushing boundaries that we already have set up. So for me, like I always had an urgency about what was going on, sometimes even more so than my husband. My husband was like, you know, everything's okay. It's all good. But then like as things started to happen and unfold for him, uh, he was, he and I were more and more on the same page. Like, okay, we do need to start talking about it. It's not just me being super pessimistic. It's like, we actually do need to start talking about these things and preparing for them. So like, we definitely um, are prepared for protection, but we would really like to up ramp that up a little bit. Um, we'd also love to just keep um, skilled being able to protect ourselves and our family. Um, we're currently in an RV and we're preparing ourselves to be able to take that wherever. Um, we're living in it 100%, but um, there's different things that I'm realizing. We are still very dependent on a normal, you know, American chain of um, uh, needs where we're still going to the grocery store every couple of days and we don't really have a ton of space to be stocked up. But I feel myself very blessed that, like, I grew up in a home where we made so much from scratch 
And we also were frugal and we thought about, you know, how long is this going to last and um, how can we be prepared and how can we be thinking about budgets and, you know, stretching our goods. And um, so that's something that me and my husband have wanted to work at better is just thinking ahead in our small space. Um, But yeah, like I still at the back of my mind, I'm like, we're still not prepared enough because if all of a sudden our power supply was cut, you know, we wouldn't have a generator. We wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have this. So there's things that I'm making this mental list right now. And I'm definitely like learning as I go. Um, you know, it's so nice having the resource of the internet, but if I was just talking to my dad about this today, if all of a sudden we have a complete blackout of all kind of service and everything like that, like I would have to learn so much from books and I would have to learn so much from people who are in a better place to be self-sufficient in that way. So yeah, I, to answer your question, I don't feel 100% prepared, but I have a vague idea of the steps that I would need to at least begin. And so so helpful to talk to somebody who, um, who does this professionally. And I think that that's definitely something that I would want to find locally too, who can teach me step by step. Wonderful. Thanks for your, for your honesty. And uh, so the reason I asked it is because you, you seem like such a normal person. You seem like (laughs) a normal family and um, you know, there's a lot of normal people out there that are feeling the same way you do right now and and feeling like, Hey, I need to start at least looking at these things. And so interestingly enough, um, so when we did the, uh, the Netflix show, uh, dark tourist, um, the, the hosts are from New Zealand. Um, and you know, they, they kind of came up here almost with the, it felt like almost with a mission to kind of show how crazy we are. And it's very interesting because at the beginning of the show, at the end of the show, you know, the host kind of looked at Holly and I and said, you guys are really not what I expected. Uh, you really seem, and I said, normal? And he says, yes. And, you know, here's the guy. We spent, you know, a whole day or two with him, shared the gospel with him. And then at the end, again, he's like, you know, I really enjoyed my time here. And, and you know, these people aren't really crazy. And, you know, he wasn't necessarily convinced of his need to be prepared necessarily. But it was just interesting in that, you know, before he just had this image in his mind. And, Sadly, I'm, I'm so glad there's podcasts out here like this one uh, because, you know, I don't, I'll be honest, um, I don't even know where to get my news anymore because, you know, <laughs> every day it changes. One news program is, is saying one thing about COVID, one news program saying another thing. Um, I think one of you mentioned uh, the shortage of coins recently. Um, I actually, my mm-hmm. personal experience, I, I was dealing with a business that sent an email and said, hey, if you're coming to pay with cash, make sure you have exact change. And I was like, well, that's kind of odd. Why would you ask that? And they specifically said the banks are giving us change. And so instead of going, and I know this is what all of us do, right? We go to Google and we start looking stuff up and I didn't do that. I just, I went on social media and said, Hey, I heard this story. What are you guys experiencing? And I heard from people across the country (laughs) saying, yes, I saw that post. I I almost, I, I almost chimed in, but you know, I didn't want to give my two cents worth. Ah, uh-huh. I like that. That was good. <laughs> the bank, the bank took it. Yeah. it. That's right. So, but anyway, so so the other thing I would say is, um, 
be careful where you get your information from. Yeah. Uh, let me let me mention. Can I mention a couple of reliable yeah. sources? Yeah, some things that, that I would say your listeners definitely. Um, so a couple of folks, Practical Preppers, um, practicalpreppers.com, a guy named Scott Hunt. Uh, he was actually the guy on Nat Geo that gave out the scores, um, like for the different people that were on it. Uh, but he uh, is amazing. He's been prepping for a long time, has a lot of great, he's on YouTube and he's also obviously his website's there. Uh, but he's got a lot of practical stuff from everything from you want to add a like a hand pump to your well to solar to protection. I mean, just just all all across the board of preparedness. Uh, he's great. Uh, another local one. Um, we're we're kind of in the. Can I say where we are, or is that? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Generally, so so we're yeah. in the, the D.C. metro area. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Um, so uh, there's a guy out here, uh, Tim McWelch, fantastic. He's a New York Times bestselling author, a friend of mine that does advanced survival training. You literally can go out to no his. Way. Pro- yeah, you can go out to his property. You can he'll he'll take you out for like two days in the woods. You can learn like what plants you can eat, um, stuff like that. Uh, there's another one around here called Fortitude Ranch. Uh, a buddy of mine named Dave uh, helps to run that place. Um, so there's definitely some some great resources out there. Um, and I can, if anybody needs more, I can name some more. Um, I can give you know recommendations on products and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, definitely just be careful where you're getting your information from. Um, obviously, a lot of folks out there have you know they're going to have their different uh, biases and their different perspectives on things. Um, you know, uh, we're the folks I'm mentioning and myself. You know, always always doing it. You know from that Christian perspective. Yeah, um, so I just yeah. wanted to throw those out there. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe you need to have your own podcast, man. <laughs> not yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> I can help you with that. Um, so uh, so let's let's start with a super simple first step. Like say I live in a neighbor, like this, I live in a neighborhood, you know, it's cookie cutter homes. They all look the same, um, like a quarter acre lot, whatever it is. And what if I... Uh, wanted a garden so just start with a basic garden like how big of a garden for a family of say four how big of a garden does a person need to have to get some fresh veggies and keep it you know sure so first of all because of adam uh gardening is not easy i know i know i hate it it's really easy to grow weeds yes it's difficult to grow did you say weed (laughs) smoking that sticky sticky green stuff We fit nice. that into every episode. Nice. So. <laughs> um, it's easy to grow weeds. It's difficult to grow. It's more difficult to grow uh, stuff that you're going to eat. Um, boy, th- so there's a, a group out there, and I'll have to I'll have to get this back for, for your for your readers. I'm trying to think of it right now. Oh, secrets to a survival garden. I'm trying to think cool. of the author right now, but um, that's one resource you can go to. Um, to and he it will teach you how to grow a garden that kind of looks like it's weeds, but it's actually um, uh, survival foods and stuff like that. Cool. And um, yeah, so to to go through gardening, that's that's not actually a simple one. That's a more difficult one. But um, with stuff like Miracle Grow out there now, um, what I would recommend is. Um, you know, looking at the property that you have, determining how much, you know, you can actually use for that. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, the the kind of um, the thought that I've heard out there, the teaching out there is if you have one full acre of land that you can cultivate, you can grow all the food you need for one year. Wow. Okay. Like so just if, like portion it off. Mm-hmm. And, oh, okay. So if you didn't have a full acre, so let's say you had a quarter of an acre and your house takes up some of that. So then you're left with an eighth of an acre. Eighth of an acre, if you do it right, is actually enough to grow enough food to get you through. I would say 
um, at least till you can get more. And, and the, the survival supplies, the, the thought behind preparedness is I just need to have enough till I can get more, till I can grow more, till I can buy more, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what are you comfortable with? You know, for me, I like to have at least six months of food. Um, I just, for, for my family, my growing family, I, I feel like that's a good amount for me. And you think, well, that's all, that's a lot of food. Um, but really it doesn't take up that much space when you start doing the research and things like that. But yeah, yeah. yeah to answer your question about the, the gardening part of it, a little more difficult because gardening takes a little bit more of a green thumb, but, um, that, that's just a matter of putting the space out there, you know, learning and, and really learning when to plant the stuff. We, we have our own garden. Uh, every year we plant one, we have fruit bearing trees and things like that. Um, so I would say you have to do the research for your area specifically because right. yeah. there's different plants that are going to grow better in different areas. Yeah. So. Rachel could grow armadillos evidently <laughs> <laughs> and black bears. Um, hey, so, uh, <laughs> sorry, I had to throw that in there. Um, so, uh, the guy that's thinking about buying a uh, you know 50 acres or 100 acres in Wyoming and then throwing down some uh, shipping containers to turn into houses uh, digging a well and throwing solar on top that's all possible too right maybe a couple cattle you know so you can have some beef maybe some sheep and then so so for me personally because I live on the east coast Wyoming is a little bit far to right, get to right, in an emergency yeah. situation but yes I think it's very possible I mean you know my wife and I right now are, are talking about we're looking at different pieces of land and talking about how to save up for things like that um you know I I call the, it a homestead a ho- homestead is, is is a great way to put it um really f- for me you know in in my survival planning there's always a backup Right. There's all there's always somewhere else to go. And yeah. as long as in your plan, you don't necessarily have to have the 50 acres. But if you know someone that does. Right. And they're willing to sure. take you on. Yeah. So we all have skills. Right. Let's say, um, you know, you know, some people have medical skills. Some people have the you know firearm skills, whatever it is. We all have something. And so what do you bring to the table? So like kind of to answer your question, we have a we have a network of people um, we've you know, we've got like. Um, nurses and, and we've got people in the medical field and then yeah. we have former law enforcement former military and then we have one guy that has you know a big piece of property and so you know we've kind of come together and said okay we'll share our resources um i'm not going to come empty-handed i'm going to bring this to the right. table yeah. so so like in our it's group, like a network of community yeah. exactly yeah and so everybody has to bring something to the table and so i don't necessarily have to have the 50 acres if someone else in the group does but then i've got to be willing to bring you know xyz to the right. table so it is definitely possible sometimes it's possible on your own if, if through your own resources sometimes it's going to be possible through networking yeah that's a that's a huge thing for survival um because in reality the area that you're in might become compromised i mean you know god forbid if you know haven't had nukes go off since world war ii but i mean washington dc we're close enough that if something were to happen like that we're gonna have to get out of the area right and so yeah. do you have somewhere to go that's 100 miles away mm-hmm. do you have somewhere to go that's 200 miles away you know and so you have those things built into your planning when i go uh to consult with people like i mentioned the the couple on capitol hill and other folks um uh, had a family in Pittsburgh that wanted me to help them come up with a plan for their 200 acre property. I always start with nice. basically an evaluation. I look at, again, the basic needs, food, water, shelter, protection, see where they are, see what their goals are, and then we come up with a plan. And so the best thing you can do is to evaluate, um, this goes back to everything, whether it's the garden, the food, the water, 
Look at what you have right now as, uh, you know, when you're looking at food, water, shelter, and protection, set your goals and then figure out what you need to do to get there. Because the best thing you do is come up with a plan. And one of the biggest aspects of your plan is communication. Because if the cell phones go down, yeah, yeah. you know, if the, if the interweb goes down, how are you going to get in touch with your loved ones? And so in our plan, you know, we have locations already built in. So, okay, if I can't reach you, we'll go to this spot. Yeah. And then if I go there and you're not there, then I go to the next spot. And so we have these things built in awesome. um, as part of that plan. Yeah. So in my network, I just, I, you know, my particular skill that I bring to the table is just incredible good looks and, <laughs> and brains. So that's what so I bring I, to I my network for, of survivors. Fear for your group then. Yes, <laughs> we'll die mo the most beautiful group you will ever see. But um, no, I actually, <laughs> Rachel's laughing. I was joking because uh, I actually had this discussion with a group of guys, you know, and some, you know, some of these guys, we're, we're all, we've all been in the same circles. And, um, and I, I was like, I don't bring anything. <laughs> I'm like the dude that knows the Bible a little bit, but let's, uh, We'll need that. And they're like, all right, you can be the chaplain of our uh, of our little uh, survival militia group or whatever you want to call it. I didn't even have a name, but I was like, okay, as long as you carve out a spot for me, we'll cool. And I'll work hard, man. I will yeah. work hard. I'm a hard worker. You joke about that, but when people are falling apart, yeah. when oh, the yeah. world is falling apart, people need spiritual guidance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I know you're joking about it, but it's, but it's the same time. Right. That's a huge thing. That and is so, a huge thing. And some people won't, will not get through a situation without that spiritual right. guidance. And yeah. so that's well, actually a, a huge um, talent to bring, you know, to the, to the pool there. But again, we don't, for, for us, um, the bottom line is if you don't have a skill you're going to bring, then, then go learn something. Yeah, I don't care what right. it is. Learn how to sew, learn the medical part, yeah. you know, learn how to take care of animals. You know, that's a big thing, Right. Right. You know, if, if, if you're really going to be self-reliant. So it's a medical training, you know? Yeah. So yeah. we'll look at the holes in our group and say, okay, here's what we need. What, what are you willing to do? Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll learn uh, how to use a ham radio. Perfect. You know? Um, and so you can look at those things and you know, you, you can, though you don't bring it, yeah. you can learn it. That's right. That's right. So one of the things I always used when I was a youth pastor back in the day, um, one of the things, and I've tried to try to instill this in my kids too, a little bit is um, the best way out of a difficult situation is to know ahead of time what you're going to do if you're ever in that situation. And that's essentially, you know, I would apply that to like, hey, if you're ever presented with the opportunity to take drugs or if you're with, you know, a, a chick and she, you know, and you guys are getting hot and heavy, you know, you got to know how you're going to handle that, you know, as youth. Um, but that same application, it fits perfectly with what we're talking about here is knowing ahead of time what your plan is when you're faced with the situation. And that's 90% of reaching success through a difficult situation. Because if you don't have a plan, your plan has been made and that's failure. Mm -hmm. You know, that's, what is that saying? The, the, a plan of, oh, of course I'm gonna fall. If you fail to plan. You, yes, you plan to fail. Right. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Thank you. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's just, it's just general wisdom. And sure. it's in its common sense. It's not even like something special. It's just general wisdom and common sense. But um, but yeah. Um, so here's the deal. We we've, we've been talking for about an hour. Um, you have a great story, by the way. Like cool history of stuff, te television, law enforcement, and all that. You know, that's really cool. Um, okay, last last question. What's your favorite firearm? Just out of curiosity. 
uh, that's see, yeah, I can't answer that just generally because what's my <laughs> so what's many the, what's the situation? <laughs> all right, all right. Let's start this way. What's your favorite handgun first? Okay, um, Glock. I'm a Glock man. Are you a Glock guy? I'm a Glock man. Okay. There's great guns out there. Look, I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I teach firearms. I'm one of those guys that says, listen, if you know how to, the, the best gun that you can have is the one you know how to use. Right, right. Right? Right, yeah. Okay, so so generally speaking, that's my answer. But I'm a Glock guy only because, and, I, and I've been issued all kinds of different weapons, um, Glocks, time and again, tried and true. I've had them completely submerged in water on a canoe trip, took it out cleaned it fired it um right. i'm just a glock guy you cleaned um, it that's a miracle most people don't even clean their glocks right and and uh, they're easy to use i mean yeah. they're kind of idiot proof you load it you point and shoot so yeah um pistol wise i'm a glock guy but again that doesn't there's a lot of great guns out there yeah um so that's my pistol so what's the all right shotgun shotgun remington 870 every time a uh, little bit partial to it because i had one in my cruiser and i know <laughs> i can take it apart myself and i can add the tactical stuff to it um and i like the fact that the slide release is on the trigger guard instead of on the top mossberg so if mossberg <laughs> anybody out there any listeners can change that um i, I prefer the remington 870 uh, there's just nothing like the sound of that that I know that gun cocking, and then yeah. again, you you can put the slide carrier, the shell carrier on the side, and you automatically have a bunch of rounds. So yeah, Remington eight seventy. Cool. Yeah. Okay, long gun. Long gun. I mean, I'm not going to say a specific brand. I mean, M4 every time. A five five six two two three. Yeah. Particularly, uh, my my personal one is a Daniel Defense. I love how light it is. Um, but a lot of good guns out there. But I like I like my Daniel. Um, with the with the Trijicon MRO on top and the magnifier and some people are stuff. lost all right now they're totally like what do you say what's a Trijicon yeah all right that's cool I was just curious yeah, yeah. but you know I I tell you the the round right now the gun right now that if if you can only if you can only have one gun Ruger ten twenty two it is easy to shoot it can take 30 round magazines and 22 rounds are still so yeah, cheap yeah and you can carry i mean hundreds it, of them thousands it does of the them. job and it for the most part i mean are you going to take a bear down with 22 no, no no you're not but you could use it if you had to for self-defense you could use it for small game um so if i only had one gun that's probably what yeah, i would choose yeah you can hunt with them and everything yeah, yeah. cool well, that's awesome man well i'm so glad you came out on the under the podcast with us and uh maybe we'll explore some future episodes where we can dive deeper into specifics of prepping or something like that you know if, sure. if you're interested in that but we're going to put all of all of jay's contact info on the show notes so anybody can get reach out to him in primarily i, I would suggest facebook but also i would suggest uh getting his book reading his book checking out netflix and seeing if you can watch some of the older episodes of doomsday prepper i think they're probably on netflix too streaming they are yeah, it's, so, it's a season uh season two episode three Okay. Cool. All right. So there you go. So go check out Jason, and uh, you can see uh, what what they what they've been up to. One last question. Uh, this was on my mind, and Rachel, you kind of you kind of like uh, got there a little bit. What about the was was your wife on board with this? Was it her idea? Was it your idea? Was it something you guys came together at the same time and kind of realized together like an epiphany or was it like, um, how did that, how did that play? I know she's in the room here, so I don't want to put you on a spot, but. So I have to tell the truth. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> you do. <laughs> so like in many, uh, uh, aspects of our marriage, uh, God is first and we're imperfect people. And so we try to follow him as best we can. And, and this was one of those areas where I felt strongly the Lord was leading me in. And um, 
I really don't do, if she's my partner, I don't do anything without, you know, asking her without, you know, running it through her because it's our family. Um, and so, so I wouldn't say that I would say that I probably was the catalyst feel, feeling led by the Lord, uh, but she's been very, very supportive. Um, sometimes I think she's humoring me, but at other times, you know, she'll come to me and say, I'm looking at what's going on in this country and I just don't know what's going to happen. And mm-hmm. so I, I feel I'm very thankful that we have done what we have done and that we can help other people. Um, so to answer your question, it's definitely been a partnership, but I would say probably more, more, more so, um, I would say led, led by, led by me. Okay, cool. So she just, she realized if she wanted to survive the zombie apocalypse that she should probably hitch her trailer to you. And yes, because she knows that she can beat me in a foot race. (laughs) And so she doesn't have to be the fastest. That's right. You just have to not be Be, the slowest, Not be the slowest, right. Yeah. I know I've had, I've had, I've when, yeah. Anyways, I was going to say I've secret, this podcast was born out of the walking dead. We used to gather and watch the walking dead on Sunday nights. Yeah, I know you can read about it on our website, but, uh, and we started just having conversations during the commercials. And then we just said, we should be recording. These are fun. And then we just made a podcast, but it was because of the walking dead. There's something about apocalyptic, end of the world scenarios that you just can't avoid they're everywhere every sure. movie it's almost like unpo- like they're even making like romantic comedies about it now sure um so it just seems like if if predictive programming is correct then we're going to end up in a scenario at some point unless the lord should rapture the church which i'm hopeful for <laughs> i hope for it but here's the thing you prepare for the worst like sure. you know jesus promised tribulation mm-hmm. he didn't promise that we would be the tribulation but mm-hmm. tribulation will come upon uh many in the last days and it will be a difficult time so anyways hey man thanks so much for coming in and uh maybe we'll have you back again soon and you can keep uh and, and as i said before all of our listeners you can check him out we'll put the links in our show notes and i would encourage you if you have questions to reach out he's a great guy and um very experienced and um a guy that i would trust for this type of advice so Thank you very much. Just want to say all, all glory to God. It's all him. Amen. That's right. That's right. Rach, you good? Yeah, this has been awesome. I have so many questions. I could probably talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but <laughs> I'm going to delve into all those awesome resources that you guys well, have. I'll tell you what, let me say one what more up? thing. Uh, if you have any questions or if your listeners have any questions, start sending them in and maybe we could set up another program where we can go through their questions and answer. That'd be cool. Yeah. A little Q and a time. That'd be fun. Awesome. Cool. All right, guys. We'll we'll catch you next time on all our war as uh, Rosie always. Oh, by the way, Rosie, get back in here. We miss you, man. And uh, as, as he, as he always says, uh, what does he say? Stay thirsty. What does he say? Stay hydrated. Stay hydrated. So right. <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we'll catch you next time.